Hi, this is Nahum Siegel, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests who've appeared on JM in the AM. Former Cleveland Cavaliers coach David Blatt is an Oled to Israel, moved to Israel many years ago. Here's our recent conversation with uh, Coach Blatt, which happened on JM in the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. JM in the AM, Tuesday morning broadcast at 12 minutes after 8 o'clock. Well... Many of you are aware of the fact that uh, our friends at Nefesh Benefesh uh, each year uh, bestow the uh, Sylvan Adams Nefesh Benefesh Bonet Tzion Prize to English-speaking Olim who have greatly contributed to the state of Israel. Seven outstanding Olim from English-speaking countries have been awarded this year's award, the Bonet Tzion Prize, recognizing Anglos who've made a major contribution to the state of Israel. To see the whole list... And to explore the entire story, go to bonetzion, bonetzion.org.il, bonetzion.org.il. In the area of culture, art, and sports, it is the legendary coach David Blatt, known as one of the most successful American-Israeli coaches in European basketball history. Before he started his coaching career, he played point guard at Princeton, played in the Maccabiah Games for the U.S., won the 1981 gold medal, by the way. Played professional basketball in Israel for nine years before starting his full-time coaching career. Won the Italian championship in 2006. Coached the Russian national team for seven years and won the Eurobasket championship in 07, plus Olympic bronze in London in 2012. In 2014, he led Maccabi Tel Aviv to one of the greatest comebacks against Cheska Moscow in the EuroLeague semifinal game, proceeding to win the championship after, championship after defeating Real Madrid in overtime. David Blatt has been the Israeli Super League Coach of the Year four times. During his time as a Maccabi's coach, he helped the team achieve new heights and recognition in Israel and worldwide. After Maccabi, he coached the Cleveland Cavaliers to the NBA Finals. And I will note, of course, that he was also a coach of the Cavaliers during the championship year when they won the NBA Finals. And he went on to coach uh, in Greece and in Turkey where his team won an historic Euro Cup championship. He made Aliyah in 1981 from Boston, Massachusetts. Coach David Blatt, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. It's a pleasure. How are you? Appreciate it very much. A pleasure to speak with you. Um, you went to uh, you went to Maccabea Games um, uh, uh, straight out of college, but before that you had been, uh, based on what I read, on some kibbutz team, it sounds like, in the middle of college, would you have gone to the Maccabiah and returned to Israel if not for that kibbutz experience? Well, you know, I, I spent a summer on kibbutz Gan Shmuel in 1979 after being invited by another uh, Israeli-American coach uh, by the name of Bob Gunen, who was who made Aliyah in his time and has lived in Israel ever since. And I spent just a wonderful uh, summer volunteering and playing with the Ganshmuel uh, team, uh, not in the official league season, but uh, in their summer activities. And I fell in love with uh, Israel. You know, I have, of course, I'd had familiarity and, and connection uh, um, kind of in a surface, from a surface standpoint, through my own uh, Jewish upbringing. But uh, discovering the country, the people, and, and the the importance and the value of being a part of that society really, really touched me, even at that time. And 
coming to the Maccabee Games in 81 sort of solidified my uh, desire to uh, experience life in Israel as a citizen. And uh, upon coming in, in 81 and beginning my basketball career, I also found Zionism <laughs> and, and recognized and realized the importance of, uh, of Israel to the Jewish people and of my role as a part of that. Um, the, uh, the, the experience of uh, the Maccabea Games led to your Aliyah. I, did you make Aliyah officially right after that? In, 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 uh... I, I did in, uh, in 81. And, and uh, you act- honestly, I had planned it coming in to the Maccabee Games, but that sort of solidified my uh, desire to do it. And you actually did serve in the IDF. In what section of the Israeli army? You know, I served on uh, a base in uh, Jerusalem called Sneller. I was uh, part of the chain of the Israeli military. I actually, because I was a professional player at that time as well, I had uh, a job, Sapak Mazon Midbach. I was helping with the supplies right. for the base from, uh, from a food uh, standpoint. And uh, you know, gave my gave my service uh, with honor and with uh, not with distinction, perhaps, but <laughs> certainly with a great deal of pride. And and uh, that's you know that's been part of my Israeli life as well. Well, now with COVID, we're all reading about how important supply chain is, especially in the area of uh, of food. Uh, Coach David Blatt is with us as uh, we discuss the Bonate Sion Award to congratulate him on the Nefesh Benefesh recognition. Uh, that he is uh, receiving. Um, were you part of that Princeton team that went to the NCAA's, the BYU game? Uh, well, I, I did play against BYU uh, in my senior year. Right, that was the year that they went. Uh, that was the only time in your college career they actually went to the tournament, right? Uh, we went to the tournament. That was the year that my teams went to the tournament, yes. But, of course, Princeton has had, has had a long history of great success in college basketball and, and brought many uh, elements and philosophies that have been used ever since in terms of how to play the game properly. And, uh, you know, it was great to be a part of that program. We had to have, of course, the academic experience of going to school there. Yeah, well, we always uh, knew that our U.S. Senator from New Jersey, Bill Bradley, had gone to Princeton. And, and Pete Carrill's name, of course, always comes up when it comes to the uh, to the great coaches in college basketball history. Th- does his system and his technique still exist in pro ball? Is that something that coaches like yourself still study at this point? Well, you know, Coach Carrill, who was a Hall of Fame coach and, and deservedly so, really implemented a, a system or a way of playing the game that has been uh, – let's say both admired and copied to a certain extent, if, if nothing more than a lot of the principles that he put into the, you know, the, the Princeton offense, uh, I don't know that it's being played purely or in the same way that we were playing it back then. But, you know, you can look at almost any game and see elements of the Princeton offense that are being used that, uh, certainly has served coaches uh, throughout America and throughout the world very well. At what point in your career, as you started your your coaching career, did other European teams or other teams that play on that side of the world start to notice 
and realize that that you, a, a coach essentially in Israel, has the capability of leading any team at that point? Well, you know, I, I coached in six different countries and tried to bring with me the knowledge that I had gained from both from playing with uh, great players in the professional ranks, playing for great coaches, and working uh, with many, many different coaches uh, from around the world. Uh, but, you know, the, the important thing is not only did I bring my basketball to the different cultures and the different countries, but I, I brought my way uh, of Israel, too, of trying to find solutions of dealing with adversity from sharing uh, knowledge and, and, and culture and, and, and trying to be a positive influence on everyone around me, regardless of uh, from where they came or from where I came. Uh, and certainly my experience as, a, as an Israeli and an Israeli citizen, as well as my background coming from America, served me well. Uh, in in terms of being able to communicate uh, my ideas, and in terms of and in, and in my willingness to open up and 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 share uh, with people from from all over, but never losing sight of my Jewish roots or or the importance of from where from whence I came from where I came. I understand that, but you're 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 playing or coaching uh, rather in in cities and countries where I would assume. Many, many of the people you're meeting had never met a Jew, certainly had never met a Jew as, as Israeli and as Zionistic as, as you are. Uh, and there, there had to have been, I don't want to use the word negative, but there had to have been uh, interesting and challenging reactions and situations uh, that came up because of that background. Am I right? Am I giving too little credit to the people that you were associated with? Well... No, I mean, for any Jew in the world, you know, there is indeed, if if, if at the minimum, underneath the surface, a, a certain element of uh, anti or, or, you know, to a greater extent, even, uh, you know, an active type of uh, um, denial or, or denigration of uh, who we are and where we're from. You know, and that was one of the things that I always tried to do was to uh, work past that and show people the the real value and the real worth of uh, of our people, uh, and uh, to focus on on making connections and on opening doors, and not on the opposite. You know, I, I never let that get in the way, and, and fortunately, uh, I think when when people understood. Um, my willingness and my openness uh, that helped them to feel more comfortable and, and to to respond uh, in, in in kind. Right, I get that. But when you're going to Turkey and Italy and Russia, I, I would assume they're members of the media and in some cases many fans who are wondering why the team has to go in the Israeli direction to bring leadership to their local team. Can't I assume that that there that you know that was that was always in the background at the beginning of your hiring by one of these countries and teams well again it, not always but it, it did it did rear its uh, head at times what was the worst uh, experience what was the most challenging experience in what city in the world 
you know, challenges are opportunities. So, you know, it, going into going into Russia as an uh, an American, Israeli, Jewish basketball coach was, you know, it was challenging. Right. Uh, certainly for a country that for so many years had been uh, not Russia, but Soviet Union uh, and those times and all that brought with them. Um, you know, that was, that was an experience. That was a, that was a challenge and an opportunity to, uh, to bring out the best in, in people, including myself. How does a great coach in Europe and Israel get noticed by the NBA? Well, let's not forget that, you know, I was born and raised in the United States. You know, and I left the States at uh, 22 years old to go to, 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 to go to Israel to start my professional career uh, because of the fact that in most of the teams that I worked in, I was responsible for helping to build the team. So I had great interaction uh, with scouts, agents, with NBA personnel, with NBA managers uh, in order to help me to find the, the right type of players for my team as well as to share information with those teams in terms of their desire to learn the European way of uh, basketball or to find talent from uh, the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, so that symbiotic relationship uh, sort of really developed my, uh, my recognition with, uh, with the people in the, in the NBA. And, of course, when your teams are very successful and are being scouted or being followed by people on this side of the the Atlantic, then, you know, you're, you're bound to make good contacts and, and hopefully a good impression. And that's more or less what happened with me. You know, we, um, Cleveland's a great Jewish community. I'm sure you know that. Uh, and I, I always remember how our friend Ron Bloomberg, who was a Yankee for many years, you know, told us about all the bar mitzvah invitations that he used to get. Uh, was there added pressure on you uh, by our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Cleveland, to be more involved in the community because of your background? Added pressure, no. They were very welcoming and, and very warm. And I actually have friends in Cleveland that I knew and had met through my experiences in Israel. You know, one guy, Mark Sack, comes to mind. He's, he's a good friend of mine to this day, who's a very uh, uh, well-known member of the Jewish community in in, uh, in the Cleveland. In Cleveland, you know, this is a guy that I met back in '81 in Israel. Uh, so you know, being a part of that society was 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 really easy and no added pressure, just support. You know, one of the things that us basketball fans are doing now is we're watching the documentary about the Chicago Bulls, and it, it is so clear that the role of a head coach in the NBA is so much is so much dependent on their ability to manage, you know, ty really strong Type A personalities and people who are great at what they do. Um, would you, if someone called you today and said, I'm becoming an NBA coach, I need a piece of advice, would that be the first area of focus that you would speak to them about? You know, I do a lot of speaking uh, in a number of different fields, whether it be you know basketball-oriented or whether it be leadership or uh, uh, dealing with uh, adversity or, or uh, planning and team building and you know, I, I can tell you coaching is, is 
in my mind, made up of five different principles. And, and you know, the first is, of course, uh, and then what I would advise to any any pr- prospective coach in anywhere and any place in the world is, you know, you got to know the material, uh, just like anything else. You got to study, you got to learn, you got to pay attention, you got to share ideas and and be open to to new schools of thought and, and to gaining knowledge. You know, the, the second thing is you have to decide what type of coach you're going to be. Are you going to be a system coach? In other words, use the same system no matter where you are, or are you going to be a personnel coach? Recognize the uh, roster that you have or the players you have and then build around them. you got to be a teacher uh, and, and know how to uh, help your players advance both in terms of their skills and in terms of their basketball IQ, um, you know, and you have maybe more than anything, you have to be a human being. You know, you have to know how to talk to people and communicate with people and to recognize that people are 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 different and and find the ways to reach them uh, and talk to them in a manner that that they can and want to uh, listen and learn. You know, and finally, you have to be uh, someone that promotes and grows culture. You know, have a have a have a way of doing things, and be the kind of example that makes those around you want to follow, and become the best version of themselves. You know, you're being recognized by Nefesh Benefesh, and I'm wondering how your Aliyah went. Many people, especially in the era. Uh, during which you moved to Israel, un- unfor- mm-hmm. unfortunately, had very difficult, uh, very difficult travel. <clears throat> excuse me, or, or procedural matters and adjustments to the Holy Land. It's one of the reasons Nefesh Nefesh was founded, and they're so successful. What was your Aliyah like? Well, you know, I was uh, very mivulach. Uh, I was blessed. You know, I, I I came in as a professional athlete. And I had a very strong support system from the management of the team at that time, Maccabi Haifa, who really helped me go through a lot of the administrative uh, challenges that you have. Uh, Being uh, a part of a team and having a very clear and structured environment was uh, was, uh, helpful to me. you know, when you when you're when you're a pro athlete, you know the recognition and 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 perhaps the the almost the the favored status that you have. It certainly makes it a lot easier. You know, when I think about my Aliyah, uh, I know I had it a lot easier than than many. Uh, certainly from a from a technical, administrative, and and uh, even financial standpoint, um, but. As uh, an American coming to Israel and going through the different life and, and different culture that you know living in Israel presented at that time, um, you know that was that was certainly uh, challenging and, and required uh, me to to have an open mind and more importantly an open heart and to embrace the country and and, and its ways. Um, but honestly, because I fell in love with uh, with Israel so quickly and so early, and and really pushed myself to learn the language and to become a part uh, of the country in, in every respect, including those military service. You know, I feel that my Aliyah was uh, was best case. 
And I, right. I feel very lucky and fortunate to have gone through that. I know there are those that have tough times, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, people realize and recognize what a wonderful uh, country it is to live in and how important it is for Jewish people from all over the world, world to come and, if they can, to make it their homeland and, and continue to support and grow the state of Israel. Well, we certainly agree with you on that. It's one of the reasons we're such proud partners with Nefesh Benefesh on everything that they do, and uh, it's heartwarming to see how many people even now in this situation still committed to get to Israel and make it their permanent home as soon as possible. Did you have to learn Turkish, Greek, or Russian when you got those jobs? That wasn't necessary. Well, I mean, that, that was an important element for me in terms of being able to feel a part of the society and the culture, and also for people perhaps to receive me in a little bit of a different way. You know, honestly, uh, those languages, particularly Italian and Russian, Turkish, I, I really don't speak very much. But, uh, you know, I like to tell people that because of my travels and because of my uh, habitation in, in, in so many different co- countries, I, I speak four languages badly. That's sort of my my state of affairs, but I do know enough to to get by and to give others the feeling that I indeed am embracing their culture and am respectful uh, of living in their country and very much desiring of being a part of it. Did they make you uh, do press conferences in Russian, or they didn't subject you to that? Well, you know, what I'd like to do was to throw a sentence here and there in Russian uh-huh. uh, for the for the purposes of uh, surprising them or, or even putting a smile on their face. Uh, but no, generally I did my press conferences both in Italy and in uh, or, or in Italy and in Turkey and in Greece and in Russia with a translator, uh, but peppered with the local language. Fortunately, in Israel, I could. I could manage very well uh, in Hebrew. You know, Coach, uh, when you got to Cleveland, we made efforts to get you on the air. Unfortunately, those 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 didn't work. Uh, but I'm so glad that we had this opportunity, and I thank Nefesh Menefesh for it. And by the way, one of the reasons I'm so thankful is because I really had an opportunity because of this assignment uh, to study your, your history, which is amazing. I, I never realized how connected you were. Uh, to Israel and the Jewish world in general. By the way, Coach, I must ask you, and my staff's going to laugh because yeah. they always work their way into a conversation about basketball. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you at all, and, and if not, it's fine. I'm just curious. Are you at all aware of how Yeshiva University did this year and how their story became an international story on the basketball court, I mean? This year, no. I mean, in the past, I had followed Yeshiva because I even knew a few guys from there. Wow. But tell me. I'd love to hear the story. Well, this year they did win the Skyline Conference Championship. They went to the Division Three NCAAs. They won the first two rounds. And unfortunately, the next four rounds were all canceled because of the pandemic that we're in right now. Oh, boy. So it's funny, well, yeah. it's funny because that, I, yeah. I said to Coach Elliot Steinmetz, uh, who, by the way, claims that your son is a phenomenal ball player. He coached against him in 20. 20- and he's right. Yeah, and, and he's, he's right. right. <laughs> and he's right. I said, I said to the the goal is always to win the last game of the year. So I guess why you could at least be happy with that, right? <laughs> That's very true. Well, Coach Steinmetz probably uh, read Coach Carrill's book, uh, when the smart take from the strong. And obviously he's uh, managed to do just that with, uh, with Yeshiva against his, uh, his competition, and I'm happy to hear that, and I'm happy for him and for the university. I appreciate that very much, and I'm sure they I appreciate it as an alum, and I'm sure the team appreciates hearing it 
from a pro like yourself. Mazal tov to you on the award. And thank you so much for spending this time with us. And uh, thank you for being such an incredible representative of Israel and the Jewish people. Really a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thank thank. Please allow me to thank Nefesh Benefesh. Yes. And, and in giving me the Bonet Zion Prize. And what, what that organization is doing is a lot more important than, uh, than what I've done. But I'm certainly happy to be a part of that family now. So I'm appreciative. Much appreciated, Coach Blatt. Be well and continued success. Thank you so much. Coach David Blatt. He is uh, a, a legendary and historic basketball coach, Israel Europe, and of course with the Cleveland Cavaliers who won the championship during the year where he started as their coach and the NBA championship. And now he is, and you heard what he had to say uh, about how meaningful the uh, Bonet Zion Prize is. He is now one of the Olim immigrants to Israel from English-speaking countries who've been awarded the 2020 Sylvan Adams Nefesh Benefesh Bonet Zion Prize. Go to bonetzion.org.il, bonetzion.org.il. More coming up. You are listening to a uh, Tuesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM. That was our conversation with David Blatt, former coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The king of schlock, Lenny Solomon, was with us to discuss the brand new lockdown song that he wrote all about COVID-19. The king of schlock, Lenny Solomon, next on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. The King of Schlock is with us live via telephone, and I want to do this song before I speak to him, but I want to first introduce him to the audience, and then we'll go straight to a song that I want to discuss with him. Uh, you think after uh, a million songs, Lenny has uh, <laughs> Lenny's exhausted his catalog. No. You think during corona, Lenny would be uh, suffering from writer's block. No. <laughs> you think during corona, Lenny would have a creative problem. No. <laughs> Not at all. The King of Schlock is with us live via telephone, the great Lenny Solomon from Israel, I believe. King, yes, welcome indeed. back. King, welcome yes, back. Indeed. King, welcome How back. How are you, Malcolm? It's great to be here. King, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's, it's fantastic to be here. Thank you. Do you remember that recording session with Chazak Amenu? Oh, uh, I do, and I want you to know... Um, Actually, I think that I recorded it in Israel and then emailed the tracks in for me. I mean, that's got to be I, like like I close was to listening to the song, and I was thinking, boy, I haven't heard that song in a while, and I, it, it was just it's it's so emotional. It's such an emotional song. Is it possible that that's twenty years ago, or close to twenty years ago? Yes, I think I think so. That's unbelievable. That really is unbelievable. Anyway. Um, I, I usually like yesterday when eighth day was on, we'll do a whole, especially when it's by phone, we'll do a whole conversation. I'll wrap up with whatever single we were referring to during the conversation and, and wrap it up. I want to do it differently with you. If you don't mind, I know you're holding on from Israel, but I want to do it differently. I want to do this song, which you call the lockdown song. Uh, I guess we're officially calling it schlock rock, right? It's schlock rock, the lockdown song, right? Well, it's, it's a Lenny. I called it Lenny Solomon. Okay. Yeah, Lenny Solomon, the lockdown. Okay. Song. Lenny Solomon, the lockdown song. And I want to do this first, lockdown obviously referring to the times that we're in right now. And uh, and then we'll talk about it. Is that cool? Yeah, I'd love it. All right. Lenny Solomon, the King of Schlock, is with us live via telephone. This is the three-minute song he created during the lockdown. It's called Schlock Rock, the lockdown song at JM in the AM. We're in a lockdown 
He calls it the lockdown song. Okay, King of Schlock, Lenny Solomon, for those who are frustrated, wondering if this is original or a parody, what song is it? Well, it's an original song. That's number one. Very cool. Um, because it sounds like an old-time rock and roll song, you know. A lot of stylizations of the 70s. You right. hear the Rolling Stones, right. Bruce Springsteen, people have said David Bowie, people right. have said, of course, Billy Joel. Right. Um, but the truth is that I wrote the song, and I wrote it after my 17-year-old daughter, who's in 11th grade. She was supposed to go to Poland this year, right? Right. That obviously went by the wayside. And she just comes up to me and says, this is a disaster. The whole year is a disaster. I can't do anything. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then, you know, and then I said, I'm going to write this song through her eyes, you know. And that's why it does. That's why it does have a tinge of anger in it. (laughs) You know, it's it's. You know, the funny thing is, I'm not bored. <laughs> right, but I'm saying because you're doing it through a teenager's eyes, that's why it has that tinge of real resentment in it. <laughs> yes, it does. And then not only that, we did a music video that's on YouTube. And my, my daughter, who took is in communications, and she goes to Amit Noga in, here in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Right. And um, so she, we shot the entire music video on my iPhone 11, and then she got a, a $2.99 app called Splice. And she did the entire song <laughs> on that phone. That's so unbelievable. She did the video. That's... I didn't do any. All I did was I said, "Okay, let's shoot here. Let's shoot there." You know, we took, we picked this. We started off with the Beit Shemesh Amphitheater because, you know, every Sukkot there's a big festival, right, right, and you know everything is empty now. You know, so we, you know, I, I kind of, you know, some a couple of people have said to me, you know, Lenny, why, you know, what is this song? You know, you're not bored. I'm not bored. <laughs> you <laughs> got a lot of stuff to do. You got plenty I've to done, do. I've done 20 schlock rock office quarantine concerts. Wow, that's great. In the last month. You must have never thought, when this first started, you were probably thinking you're not going to be busy at all. Yes, I didn't think I would ever work. (laughs) And the funny thing is, all I do is I set up my piano in my office, and I have a backdrop with a Kesha record. Oh, is that correct? And and Daniel and Babylon poster, and then another <laughs> sign which my daughter Shani made, which said Lenny Solomon Live, and that's my set. Phenomenal. And there's no, there's no schlepping. <laughs> it's if, the best. If you've done 20 of them, then obviously the word's getting around that it's good, high quality, and a lot of fun. Yes, and it is. It is a lot of fun, and um, I'm actually doing a surprise birthday party this Sunday. Oh, is that cool? Oh, is that cool? And so you'll have all these kids and adults zoomed in to your to your party to your music. Well, they gave they they set up the Zoom. They give me the code. I just go in. That's so cool. And I did an office party for Pesach. You know, um, I done I've done schools in Australia, schools in England, schools in America. Hmm. Um, it, and the funny thing is, so I'm not bored. I'm having a great time. <laughs> now, th- that being said, that being said, it, it's a very serious time right now. Yeah. You know, and we, we all, you know, I, you know, the, the, I was listening to your, to, um, uh, to the caller before, to your interviewer before. Simon. And, uh, yes, I also travel to America every six to eight weeks. Right. You know that I haven't been to America since February. Right. And if you would tell me, Lenny, your next concert is next February... 
I wouldn't be surprised. Right. I might actually be a year in Israel straight. This it, might be my gap year. It would be. <laughs> it would be a combination of uh, of hard to believe, of, or, or I should say, believable and surprised at the same time. Yes. Unbelievable. Now, I, you know, so it really, it was, it was really uh, the, the 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 song. I wasn't even planning on writing a Corona song. Who who wants to hear another Corona song? <laughs> right. You know? But I want to tell you something, Lenny. This, I, I, you, you could imagine. You know, you and I have had talks about your original songs a million times, and they're you know you, you write in so many different styles, and every album that you've released that has not been schlock rock type. You know, you're calling this Lenny Solomon, not schlock rock. That that has not been schlock rock type. All has a different musical theme to it or a direction to it. This one, I think you knew would just grab everybody because, especially us old timers who who love those seventies and eighties hooks in the music, it just it it speaks right in, right to us. It goes right into our wheelhouse. So you could you could imagine. I, and I, by the way, that's why I said to you when I asked you the question: Is this original or a schlock song? I was 50-50 on it. I'm saying to myself, this might actually be a song that I should know. And I don't – I'm thinking, is that Rick Springfield? Is that his song? You know, like, right. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is is that I didn't know it would be a hit until I sent it to three engineers. And each one of them came back and said, this is a hit song. Yeah, this, this is, is – Lenny, Lenny, this is a hit song. This is a hit song. I mean, no other way to say it. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And I, I, I didn't plan on it. I didn't plan on any. I didn't plan on writing. What does really, your daughter um, say now that she was the inspiration? Now, you know, my, on my agenda, the most the most important thing on my agenda right now is I've got to get Daniel in Babylon. It's eight right. years. May thirty first is eight years since I finished Daniel in Babylon. I remember being in your studio when we were talking about it coming out. I remember that. And, uh, but now, n- so- n- now theater in general is not really uh, operating, as you know. No. What was everything what, is shut down? What was everything. your do- What was your daughter's reaction to being the inspiration for the lockdown song? She didn't know until and while we were vi- videoing uh, it, I was saying, you know, I, Abigail, her name is Abigail. I said, uh, I. This is your. I wrote this for you. Right. <laughs> she said she didn't know. That's hilarious. I'll tell you. Is you, uh, you, you literally you, know, you, li- you literally hear the teenage frustration in it. Maybe anger was the wrong word. Teenage frustration may be more accurate. Yes, frustration for sure. Yeah. Let us out. Let us free. <laughs> so the, you know, and, and that brings us to the big machloket about whether or not you keep everybody in the house or you just let everybody out you yeah, know yeah and uh where you are every family's going through that now there are families that are happy about the easing of restrictions but they themselves are still not sending their kids to school that's correct and we are one of those people because we have my, my mother-in-law who's 79 is in the house and mm. my my wife doesn't want to take any chances you i know? hear it believe me i hear it are you kidding me I've I've made it very clear that with very very few exceptions I've been nowhere but in my apartment and across the street here in my studio and nobody else has been in the studio for the last eight weeks so yeah every I get it and and the truth is the way you just described it I think uh, or the way we just spoke about it I think is really everyone's um, uh, opinion I think there is a, a even I want to see the loosening of certain restrictions. Uh, but I don't know if I would go ahead and participate in some of the things that I'm advocating to open up. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, 100%. And now in Israel, what I have heard is by June 14th, if everything stays status quo, all the restrictions will disappear. Wow. That's that's what I've heard. June you mean a wedding, a wedding, number. a I wedding? Know, I don't know where they came to that date. So a wedding in Israel would be able to have 500 people at that point? Yes, June 14th. Wow. Up until, 
up until June 14th, it's, it'll, it'll get to 100. It's going in, in, in increments. But I must tell you that, um, you know, we're, we're basically, you know, our Yomat Sma'ut and our uh, everything we've been, and our Lagba Omer, we were not allowed to, you know, really do things, right. you know. Well, look, Israel had a big advantage, frankly. One port of entry, a lot of fines given out, lockdowns on the appropriate days. Uh, you yeah, know, it's not, it's not like, it's, you know, and, and, and obviously New York is unfortunately the capital of the world, and therefore New York is the capital of Corona because of the hundreds and hundreds of flights that landed in each one of their airports from Europe and other places of the world every single day. And uh, and we are now, you know, in this situation, and I'm sure you're following the situation here in New York and New Jersey very closely from where you are. I do. I follow it every day, and I uh, yeah. follow. First thing is, and and, and you know, we're, this is the first time my Kaddish Baruch has cut off the Jews from Chutzlaretz with the Jews in yeah. Israel, yeah. which is crazy. Since the creation of the just, state, right? Since the creation of the state. Yes, that's crazy. I used to take planes like people take buses. Yeah. You know. And, and and then of course and then of course the reason the real reason why you're able to follow the news in New York and New Jersey so closely is you have no Ranger games to tune into, so that's that's no a help. Ranger games and not only that, no <laughs> Mac game. I don't even get me started. I, I'm just starting to recover from that. <laughs> but I remember, must tell you that was the big kicker when they canceled that tournament. And I thought to myself, we could have been champions of the entire nation. Well, as I said to Coach David Blatt last week on the air, uh, the good thing is that YU won its last game of the season, and that's the goal of every single team that starts the tournament. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> that is true. Lenny Solomon, the King of Schlock, the song is called the Lockdown Song. Lenny, how do people access the Lockdown Song? So there's lots of different ways. First thing is uh, you just got to go to YouTube and, and type in the lockdown song Lenny Solomon, and you can watch the video and, and watch the song. You could go on Spotify. You could go on iTunes. You can go on Amazon. You can go all these. It's everywhere, or it will be everywhere in the next day or two. Um, and, of course, schlockrock.com. It'll be on schlockrock.com and the Four Corners Project. Uh, org. I wouldn't be shocked if radio stations outside our community picked up that song. By the way, well, I actually sent it to a country a country DJ. I thought that, that good it idea. got some country appeal. Good idea. I haven't heard back. I haven't heard back yet. I don't know exactly how you <laughs> how you get it to cross. You know, because I'm right. I'm a Jewish musician. I mean, I you know, get I'm that. I'm a Jewish rocker, not a rocker that happens to be Jewish. I get that, but I'm, st- <laughs> but I'm st- I still think it has appeal in many different communities. That's for sure. Lenny, uh, to wrap things up, can you do me a favor? Can you help me promote? Uh, what's happening at 11 a.m. today. We have a live lunch, which we do every Thursday, as you know, for years. And at 11 a.m., we're going to invite everybody through Zoom to not only listen to the live lunch, but if, but you know see us in action, uh, as we've been doing a few times since this all started around Purim time. Uh, but today, our friend Avi Fryer is going to do a magic trick on Zoom and on the, and on the air. Uh, but, of course, for the visual, I'm pushing the Zoom uh, at 12 noon Eastern time. Can you just tell everybody how great Avi is, please? I must tell you, Avi Fryer goes back to sh- with with Schlockrock. He goes back when we were when we were becoming, you know, when we were growing. And he came up to me and he used to write song parodies. Come up to me with his versions. And Into the Sea is actually a a um, a, a co-writer.
fighting between me and Avi Fry. And you know, so and you know that I've told you, that. and you know that I've told you that Into the Sea might be, as far as I'm concerned, the best schlock rock song. You, I've said yes. that, and you know that I'm a very strict grader when it comes to your material. <laughs> yes, and, and Avi was one of the co-writers of that song. And, and the thing about it is, he's so talented, he's so creative, and it's off-the-cuff creativity. It's not just, I plan this. He, he, what comes out of his mouth is it, pure creativity, humor, and fun. I would urge everybody to go, and also everybody has to go and give and, and give to your tremendous fundraiser thank because you i i just re- i remember being 1984 in wyur <laughs> studio with you when i was launching my career wow. i remember 19 and i was i would come all the time to union and i would and it, it's the greatest this, the, you are the number one jewish radio personality in the world and People have to support it. It's very important. Thank you very much for that, Lenny. Everybody can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you for that as uh, we get serious toward the end of each week about our fundraiser, and I really do thank you for that. Also, as Lenny just recommended, <clears throat> excuse me, participate with us in the Zoom live lunch. We start at 11 a.m., and Avi Fryer will be part of it with a magic trick. The Zoom ID is 814-353-5064, 814 814- Three five three five zero six four. We're going to use the password JMAM. So eight one four three five three five zero six four, and we're going to use the password JMAM. Hey King, congratulations! The lockdown song is a big hit, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about it this morning. It's my pleasure, and, and we hope to. I hope to see you soon in Israel, or in America, or. Or somewhere, <laughs> or somewhere, and and now no more, no more saying goodbye with you telling me go Rangers. Now it's go Max. As simple as that. Now our new fa- roll Max roll. There That's you go, hundred percent. The big YU Max team. Uh, our big thank you to Lenny Solomon, the King of Schlock. Check out the lockdown song, everybody. It is an amazing 2020 production. I think you will enjoy it tremendously. More coming. Oh, speaking of Lenny, I said to myself, I am going to wrap up. This segment with one of my favorite schlock rock songs, which, by the way, if I had to rank them, it would be it would take me hours, honestly, to sit and rank my favorite schlock rock songs. Um, I'm not no, I'm not talking about the all time best schlock rock. Songs. I'm talking about my favorite schlock rock songs, like Into the Sea, which I just mentioned, or that Lenny just mentioned. Anyway, because we're getting close to Shabbos, this is one of my favorite schlock rock songs at JM in the AM. Open up your eyes as the candle. They are lit. The week is over now that the table the family sits. Your face is starting to show it. Cause baby, baby, you know it. You've got that shot. Are 
That was my conversation with Lenny Solomon, the king of schlock, about his brand new lockdown song. That does it for JM Rewind for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it at the Nahum Siegel Network.